So through the season of Advent is when we take time to prepare for the coming of our Lord. We do that for these four weeks before Christmas in the month of December. And we've actually been reflecting on the Gospel of Matthew. The Gospel of Matthew really highlights and points out how we witness to God's witness. During the Christmas season, we witness to the reality that God is with us. That God shows up. That God comes down to the messiness that is the human experience. That is ordinary, everyday life. In Matthew, we see the story of how Jesus entered into the world. Jesus came as the one true God, the one in whose image we are created, the one who made us for himself and for his purposes. During Christmas, what we celebrate is an event. It's this event that is called the Incarnation. And that can feel like a very big word, but incarnation simply means that God became human in Jesus Christ. That's what we celebrate in this Christmas season. Christmas is an invitation to witness God's witness to God with us here and now. God shows up. God takes initiative to save us and restore our connection with Him. During Christmas, we get to celebrate this beautiful collision, this beautiful impact of heaven and earth meeting, of time and eternity colliding together in the birth of Jesus, in this miracle of God with us. As we place our trust and our hope in Him, God shows up in us. And as God shows up in us, we're empowered to show up for others. God gifted us in the Christmas season with His presence. He gifted us with His witness. And during this Christmas season, we can point to the glory of God through our witness as well. We can give the gift of presence. We can give the gift of witness. Because God is with us. Today, we continue in the Gospels. And we continue with seeing a couple of things that occur during the birth of Jesus. We see that there are songs that are sung. Mary sings a song as she hears the announcement of the birth of Jesus. But we also see that immediately after Jesus is born, there is some challenge. There is some suffering in the first Christmas. So today we'll be looking at the songs and also the suffering of the first Christmas. In Matthew chapter 2, verses 13 to 15, we read this. It says, When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. This is immediately after Jesus had been born. And the angel said, Get up. He said, Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you. For Herod is going to search for the child to destroy him. Friends, what we see here is that the Christmas story reminds us that amidst the suffering, there are also songs to sing. 
we see that right after Jesus was born, there's this challenge, there's this suffering, they have to flee, there's persecution. But then within that, there's Mary's song, and then there's the song of the angels as well. Amidst the suffering and the challenges in this life, there are also songs to sing. Christmas reminds us that amidst the suffering in this life, there is also joy. And that joy is just as real as any trial, any suffering, any challenge that we may be going through. So we just saw this persecution of the family of Jesus right after he was born. But then the Gospel of Luke tells us of a song. It tells us of several songs. But today we're going to focus on two of those songs. It tells us of the song of Mary after the announcement of the birth of Jesus. And then it tells us of the song of the heavenly angels rejoicing at the birth of Jesus. In the story of Christmas, we learn both about songs and about suffering. In this passage, we read about songs that Mary and the angels sang. And yet, right after the birth of Jesus, there is persecution. There is challenge. There is suffering. Christmas reminds us that amidst the sufferings, there are songs to sing. But let's just take a moment. To pause and even ask ourselves, why do we sing? Even us here as a church community, week in and week out, it's a very unique thing that we do here. I encourage you, next time we take a a chance to sing together, just take a moment to pause and pray and reflect on the unique experience of singing together. When we sing together, God is doing something mysterious. God is at work in a way that is seen and in a way that is unseen during this time that we gather in worship together. I love how some people have asked me before, uh, Pastor Carlos, what exactly is a worship service? And I love that question because it reminds me of the real answer. What a worship service is. A worship service of the family of God, of the church, of the people of God, is an event where the Holy Spirit makes us like Jesus. Where the Holy Spirit brings new life through prayer, through preaching, and through praises. So when we sing songs of praises, no matter how we may be feeling, songs of praises are what draw us near to God. Mary and the angels were singing songs of praise amidst the doubt, amidst the confusion, amidst the unanswered questions. They sang songs of praise. You know, to enter into a song is to enter into a story. That's why even during the greeting time, we gave an opportunity for you to greet one another and connect with that question. What's your all-time favorite song or Christmas song? Because behind every song, there is a story. There is a history behind it. You know, for example, in the, the songs that, that we see here laid out in, in this uh, story, the Song of the Angels and the Song of Mary, we're going to hear just a, a little bit of their background. But um, what we see is that in the song that Mary sang in Luke chapter 1, the angel Gabriel comes to Mary, and Mary, after that experience, she began to sing. Oh, what, a, what an interesting and unique thing to do, 
to respond to this overwhelming good news with singing, with celebrating. Sometimes when we're celebrating, we do things that we wouldn't ordinarily do. Things like sing or dance. Or when we feel very much at ease or very comfortable when we're alone or in the shower, some of us sing. And similarly, that's exactly what Mary was doing here. Oftentimes when we hear good news, we respond through singing. You know, I remember a very unique experience with this. Um, I may have shared this story with some of us here before, but when my second son, Lael, was born, I remember the birth announcement of that. Uh, I I was actually in my office. I was working, and uh, Lemmy, our oldest son, had just turned a year old, and um, we were probably in the first year of planting Imago Church, so extremely busy, all, all of that stuff happening. But I was in my office one day working, and then my wife Charlotte calls me and simply says, I need you to come home right now. It's about my family. And so I, you know, uh, husbands, spouses, you know that if your wife asks you come home right now, come home right now. I've learned the hard way. But come home right now. And I did. And, uh, you know, I figured it was about her family. Uh, you know, she has six brothers and sisters and two parents and a wonderful family. And so I thought they needed to give me some kind of update or what was happening. And I said, OK, so I rushed back. What's going on with your family? And uh, she says, well, my family back home is fine. But I'm talking about this family, our family. Congratulations, you're going to be a dad again. (laughs) Wow. And, you know, like I mentioned, our oldest son had just turned one year old. So Lael is our little miracle baby as well. (laughs) God's gift to us, definitely. (laughs) When we enter in and and when we I got that news from Charlotte, you know, we celebrated and together we, we sang a song that has been a family song for us. And even our two little boys, if they were here, they could sing this song because we sing it together every night. And it's a song that was inherited from Charlotte's family that she grew up in. And it's a song that simply says, bind us together, Lord, bind us together with chords that cannot be broken, with chords of love. And so we broke out into song after celebrating. And this morning, as we enter into Mary's song, we know that there's a story behind that. And I did a little bit of research on just the background about the song of Mary in Luke chapter 1. And there's this writer, his name's Tom Wright, excellent commentator on the Bible. And he wrote a little bit about Mary's song and what's it, what it's all about. You know, uh, anyone that knows me or has worked with me knows that I'm actually a music nerd. I really love uh, music. I'm passionate about it. I love to understand all the stories behind the music and all of that. And um, every day I really thank God for my ears because I don't know what I'd do without them. I love every genre of music, and I also really enjoy stories about musicians and about songs. I actually get very excited knowing how a band got their name or how a genre of music came to to be. So I did a little bit of reading on some of the songs that we're learning about today on the Song of Mary as well. 
Well, we'll begin with the the song of the heavenly angels that we see in uh, Luke chapter uh, one as well, and uh, chapter two, and it says this that the heavenly angels angels sang a song. And the song that they sang was just a chorus. It was a one-liner. But all the heavens were singing as Jesus was born. They were singing glory to God in the highest on all of the earth. And peace among those with whom he is pleased. So what's the story behind that song of the angels? It tells us that the birth of Jesus is about tying it all together. The word of God and the promises of God all come together in the birth of Jesus. In the birth of Jesus, we see the power, the promises, and the presence of God all wrapped together in the birth of this child, of Jesus. So whenever we see the Christmas trees or the lights or the the scenarios of the birth of Jesus, know that this is about that, that this actually points to the power, promises, and presence of God all combined together, fully God and fully human, in order to save us. So we see, continuing here, learning about Mary's song, is an ancient song called the Magnificent. And it's one of the most famous songs in the history of Christianity. It's been a song that has been uh, recited in small remote churches by evening candlelight. And it's also been a song that's been sung with trumpets and full orchestras by uh, composers like Bach. So why did Mary launch into a song like this? It tells us here in uh, Tom Wright's commentary. He says, Mary and Elizabeth would have been uh, drenched and very familiar with the scriptures. They would be familiar with the Psalms and the prophetic writings which promised victory over evil. And of God coming to rescue humankind at last. All of that is poured in to Mary's song. It's like a rich overflowing drink that comes bubbling over the edge of a cup of water. Mary cannot contain herself with this good news. So what does Mary do? Mary sings. Almost every word in Mary's song is a biblical quotation. It comes straight from the word of God. Mary would have been familiar with these words from her childhood. And a lot of her song actually sounds a lot like an even more ancient song from the book of 1 Samuel in 1 Samuel chapter 2. There's a song by a woman named Hannah who sings a similar song to what Mary sang here. The writer Tom Wright continues and says, Mary and Elizabeth shared a dream. It was the ancient dream of Israel. The dream that one day all that the prophets had said would come true. One day Israel's God would do what he had said to the, to the ancient Israelites in the Old Testament. All nations would be blessed through Abraham's family. So why is Mary celebrating? Mary is celebrating because she has been chosen by God to give birth, to bring into the world the great descendant of Abraham. Jesus is that descendant. The descendant in which all nations will be blessed. So when Mary bursted out into song, she understood that she is blessed to be a blessing. That she will give birth 
to the Savior, to the great descendant of Abraham, to Jesus, the one who will save the whole world. So when we sing songs, we can be reminded of our identity, which was part of Mary's identity here, that we are blessed to be a blessing. This was Mary's understanding of who she was, of, of, of why she sang. And there's this deep biblical idea here that calling begins with God. God chooses us, the church, God chooses us for the sake of other people. Not instead of other people, but for the sake of others. All people on the earth will be blessed through you. That was the promise that God made to Abraham that is now fulfilled in the birth of Jesus. So when we see these songs that are being sung during the Christmas season, the song of Mary and the song of the angels, we are singing, we are singing that they are singing from a place of victory. They are not singing for victory, but from victory. And today we can sing from victory. Because life is a journey. And throughout this life, we must ask ourselves, which song are we singing? Are we singing an anxious grumble, an anxious complaint that one day we may have victory? Or are we singing a joyful song from victory? Today, we're invited to sing from victory. So friend, brother, sister... What song are you singing today? Just as Mary and Joseph were a part of a story, we too are a part of this story because of Jesus. We respond in praise because we remember that we are no longer grumbling or complaining or anxious for victory, but we are singing a joyful song from victory because of Jesus. Because Jesus has won. And no matter what we go through, He has won. So we sing from victory. Amen? Christmas is a promise. The promise that amidst the suffering, amidst the challenges, there are songs to sing. Songs to sing from victory. We're reminded in another scripture by another ancient prophet. We don't hear much about him, but he, said, he, said, he prophesied something so important about the songs that we sing. The prophet Zephaniah in chapter 3, verse 17. This is in the Old Testament. The, he says this in Zephaniah 3, 17. It says that the Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by His love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. So what does the Scripture say there? Is that God will be known to the world by the songs that we sing. Just as Mary and the angels were singing a song of praise at the birth of Jesus today... Our great King Jesus is inviting us to sing a song of praise to the living Lord. Sing a song of praise in response to His love 
Amidst the challenge, amidst the suffering, amidst what we're going through right now, there are songs of joy for us to sing. So what does it take to join the chorus of this choir? What does it take to join the chorus of the song that Jesus invites us to sing? Well, the good news is it's not vocal lessons. And, you know, I told you that I'm a big music geek, a big music fan, but it's been very clear, been made very clear to me that there's a difference between being a big music fan and being a musician. Marcus has reminded me I'm not a musician. So that's why he does what he does and I'm here. <laughs> but one day, we'll see. There's a big difference. But to sing the song of Jesus, it doesn't take vocal lessons. But we get in tune with this song when we come to trust God. When we trust and place our hope in Him more than we trust in ourselves or in circumstances or in outcomes. When we trust the Creator above anything created. This is how we tune in. This is how we sing along in this eternal song of praise. So here in our worship services, we have a praise team that helps us, who, that leads us into this time of joyful worship and joyful praise. And we thank God for them, for our worship team, for doing that, for taking us to that space. But when, when they lead us in worship, it's actually an opportunity for us to declare and to place all of our hope, all of our trust, all of our honesty before God. To trust God is what we do when we worship. And when we worship, we trust God. And to trust requires being vulnerable with God. So that's why sometimes you see some people when they're worshiping, some lift up their hands, some close their eyes, some open their arms, others sit in prayer. To worship God is to trust God, and to trust God is to be vulnerable with God. Worship and praise invites us to be vulnerable with God. I love one of my favorite uh, quotes about the power of music. It's by this uh, poet from South Sudan. I've shared it with some of you. His name is Emmanuel Ja. And Emmanuel Ja said something very profound about the power of music. He says that music is the only thing that can touch your soul without your permission. Music is a direct connection between our hearts and the heart of the living God. So when we sing praises, even amidst the challenges, when we lift up a song of joy, praise is that it's an invitation to trust God, to sing the eternal song. Songs of good news, songs of restoration. These are the songs that Jesus invites us into. So friend, brother, sister... Today, let's remember that the songs that we sing have the power to influence our lives almost like nothing else does. Our God is a God of restoration. And to be restored means that we are restoried. That we align our hearts and our minds with the heart and the mind of God. That's what worship songs are. And that's what we do during this season of Christmas when we sing a variety of special Christmas worship songs. We are 
calling God to make us new, to align our hearts with His heart, our minds with His mind. So along with trusting the Lord, this eternal song that God invites us to sing from victory, this song of praise invites us to just let go and to worship. To be vulnerable before God. Because remember, who we are before God is who we truly are. This eternal song is a song that begins in gratitude. It begins with saying thank you. This song that Jesus invites us into is a song that is geared toward the living God. It's a song that makes the invisible God visible. Especially for those that may be far from God. In fact, what we're reminded here with these Christmas songs is the fact that the ultimate proof of God is not just some deep theological argument or convincing people how bad they are. But the greatest proof of God will be the songs that we sing together. That we sing together as an unlikely community. As a people drawn near by God, as a gospel-centered, multicultural community where hope is built through restored relationships with God and with others, that is evidence of the reality of God, the songs that we sing. So the essence and purpose of Christmas worship and of the songs that we lift up in worship, really what we're doing is we're bringing our true selves before a true God. We are declaring and singing that God is worth worshiping. He is worth it. That's what we do. That's even where the word worship comes from, from worthship. That's what we do when we lift up these songs. We worship Him because God has taken initiative. God has taken action during this Christmas. He's come to us. We sing and we sing praise and we lift up and we rejoice to him because the Lord God Almighty, our savior, the holy one, the merciful one, the faithful one, Jesus Christ, he has come to us. So during this Christmas, we witness God's withness. We sing praises and we remind each other that God shows up. That God is with us here and now. And friends, that is the ultimate reason to celebrate and sing. Amen? Let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you that you go beyond any expectations that we may have. We thank you, God Almighty, for the gift of Christmas, the gift of you. You gave us your very self, Lord, stuff and creation. You had given us all of that already, Lord, but you chose to be even more generous and to give us yourself. Lord, the gift of Christmas is the gift of you coming to us. The gift of you coming to us to give us hope and faith amidst the challenges, amidst the suffering, amidst what can feel confusing at times, Lord. 
May we keep our eyes focused on you. May we be reminded, Lord, that amidst the challenges, there are songs of joy to sing. And Lord, we pray that today, that hope which we sing about would be what sustains us. That hope that is greater than any gift that we could ask for. And Lord, we pray that during this Advent and Christmas season, that we would celebrate the reality, Lord, that you came to us, that the Word became flesh. And God, we pray that through the power of your Holy Spirit, that the Word would continue to become flesh in us and through us, Lord. Lord, help us this Christmas season to witness to your witness. You've given us the gift of your presence. We pray, Lord, that you would give us the courage, give us the strength, give us the ability to show up as well, God, and to gift others with the gift of presence and to point to you. It's in the faithful name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. And it looks